0: Welcome to another message from Columbus First Assembly. Thanks for listening as we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God. Our hope is that you're encouraged by today's message.
1: Um, I've entitled this message, Help, I Think I've Gone Too Far. Help, I think I've gone too far. Over my years as a believer, and then as a pastor, I've spoken with and I've read about people who have come to the conclusion that somehow they've gone too far. And For the few of you that are in the sanctuary, maybe you can understand this also as to uh, maybe you've run across people who have done that. See, they somehow believe that they've done some things that have put them outside of God's ability to forgive them. Or they believe that they are so far away that maybe if they somehow got back to God, got their life together, then God would be able to accept them. Because in their minds, they feel like they have gone too far. They're outside of God's ability to forgive them and accept them. I can think of a, a woman many years ago that I had the opportunity to speak with who had had two abortions. And the first one, she was very young and she was very frightened. But the second abortion that she had was as she was older, and she had the abortion for convenience. She didn't want a child to interfere with her career goals, and so she had a second abortion. Many years later, as I've had opportunity to speak with this lady, she's telling me, finally, trusting me with the story, and she just tells me that, you know, she grew up in church, and she understood what the Bible said, and the church that she went to was a church that talked about the sanctity of life. And she was certain. She made some choices. She consciously made some choices to terminate pregnancies, and she had certain she was certain that she had gone too far and that god was unable to forgive her not because she accidentally did something because she consciously did something for her own convenience maybe you know somebody like that there was a man i also knew who was an alcoholic and he had been an alcoholic for many years and he was very honest not only was he an alcoholic he liked drinking He liked being drunk. He really did. And again, grew up in church, so he understood what the Bible said regarding drunkenness, but he liked it. And year after year after year after year of of, um, being an alcoholic, he began to realize that, you know what, I have gone so far from God. How could God even love me or forgive me? So he had determined that someday someday he would stop drinking, he would get his life right, and then he'd be able to move towards God and God would accept him. So it's people like that that I'm talking to this morning. Help, I think I've gone too far. You believe that what you have done and where you are is way too far. Today we're going to read a story from the Old Testament. It's from the book of Second Chronicles. And because it's an Old Testament book, and there's a lot of people that don't read Chronicles, um, you may not be familiar with this story, but it's a story that every time I read it, I sit back and I marvel. I marvel at the grace of God. And two or three months ago in my devotions, as I was reading through the Old Testament, I read the story again. I sat back, and I marveled at the grace of God. So we're going to read that story this morning, and then I'm going to conclude with just two or three points, and I'm going to to talk to you from my heart. But let me give you some background. The nation of Israel, um, King David, was probably the greatest and the best king that they had. King David rose to the throne and began to establish the nation of Israel, and then when David died. His son Solomon became king, and this was probably the the, uh, most prosperous time that the nation of Israel ever had under the rule of Solomon. But after Solomon died, after his reign was over, the kingdom actually split in two, to a northern kingdom, which was called Israel, and a southern kingdom, which was called Judah. Now, the northern kingdom, called Israel, Uh, established a new capital city. The new capital city was the city of Samaria, and they had their own kings. The southern kingdom of Judah stayed in Jerusalem, which was their capital, and all of the kings in this southern kingdom, this kingdom that was called Judah, were descendants of King David and then Solomon. And, of course, Jesus came out of the line of David. The northern kingdom those in Samaria, never went back to Jerusalem to worship. So they set up worship uh, to foreign gods. They set up worship to Baal and Asherah. And according to the Bible, in this northern kingdom of Israel, all of Israel's kings, and I'm quoting now, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. There was not one king in this northern kingdom That was a righteous king. They were all evil. They all worshiped uh, in ways that God said not to worship. Now, Judas kings, the descendants of David, had a combination of kings, and I'm quoting again, who did what was pleasing in the sight of the Lord. These were good, righteous men leading the nation the way that God had said it should be led. But there were also a number of kings that did what was evil, in the sight of the Lord. So the southern kingdom of Judah, they had good kings and they had evil kings. And so with that background, um, we're going to begin to get into our text this morning because we're going to talk about a king that's name was, his name was Manasseh. Now this is very interesting because Manasseh, his father was Hezekiah. Hezekiah was one of the kings that did what was pleasing in the sight of the Lord. In fact, he was one of the best and most righteous and godly kings that Judah had ever seen. His father Ahaz was one of those unrighteous kings. He worshipped Baal. He set up altars throughout the land to Baal. He made cast idols of this God. Both he and the people worshipped the idols. But when Hezekiah came to the throne, he chose to follow God, he chose to follow Yahweh. He chose to follow the laws of God as Moses had given to the nation. He repaired the temple which had fallen into disrepair under his father Ahaz's time. He had the temple cleansed, and people began to offer sacrifices again. There was spiritual revival happening in Judah under the reign of Hezekiah. He had the people stop worshiping the foreign gods. He removed the idols from Judah and Jerusalem. And one of the things he did is he called all of Judah once again to celebrate the Passover. They hadn't been celebrating the Passover, which they were supposed to celebrate on a yearly basis. And listen to what 2 Chronicles 30 verses 26 and 27 says about this Passover, or actually after the Passover was older. There was great joy in the city for Jerusalem had not seen a celebration like this one since the days of Solomon, King David's son. Then the Levitical priests stood and blessed the people, and God heard them from his holy dwelling in heaven. Scholars say that apart from Solomon and David, Hezekiah was probably the most righteous and godly king Judah ever had. And now, let's look at the text this morning. All of these verses will be on the screen for you, so you can follow along with me as I read. 2 Chronicles chapter 33, starting in verse 1 Manasseh this is now Hezekiah's son the one whom followed his father this godly king to the to the throne Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 55 years He did what was evil in the Lord's sight following the detestable practices of the pagan nations that the Lord had driven from the land ahead of the Israelites he rebuilt the pagan shrines his father Hezekiah had broken down. So here's Manasseh, who his father was one of the most righteous, and he, he tore down all these altars and these idols. Hezekiah is building them again. He constructed altars for the images of Baal, and he set up Asheroth poles. He also bowed before all the powers of heaven and worshipped them. So he was bowing before the sun and the moon and the stars. He was worshipping uh, the, the heavenly bodies. He built pagan altars in the temple of the Lord, the place where the Lord had said, my name will remain in Jerusalem forever. He built these altars for all the powers of the heavens in both courtyards of the Lord's temple. You know, many people get outside of the will of God for their life. They were raised in a godly home like Manasseh was. But now they're on their own, and they begin to get outside of the purposes of God. And Manasseh, instead of following in his father's footsteps and continuing to lead the people in the worship of Yahweh, he quickly left God's will and purposes for his life and the nation he was leading. So he rebuilt those pagan shrines. And he himself worshipped Baal and Asheroth. These were pagan fertility gods That had as a part of their worship. Not only prayer and burnt offerings and sacrifices. Not only the bringing of gifts to these gods. Immoral sexual practices with temple prostitutes. Both male and female. So when you came now into Jerusalem. When you came to worship these foreign gods. Not only did you bring your sacrifice. Then you found a prostitute. Whichever kind you wanted, male or female. And you worshipped by having sex with a prostitute. And this was pleasing to these gods. So far from the ways of Yahweh. So far from how Manasseh was raised under his father, Hezekiah. Who chose to worship Yahweh only. He also worshipped the sun, the moon, the stars. And he set up altars to them in the temple. In the temple of the Lord. But Manasseh walked farther and farther away from God's purposes. You think this is far from God's purposes? He walked farther away. And he led the people of God to walk farther away. Let's pick it up in verse 6. Manasseh also sacrificed his own sons in the fire. In the valley of Ben-Hinnon, he practiced sorcery, divination, and witchcraft. And he consulted with medians and psychics. And he did much that was evil in the Lord's sight, arousing his anger. I I want you to imagine this. Because every time I read this verse, it just causes my heart to grow cold. It says, Manasseh sacrificed his sons in the fire. Let me explain what this means. As part of his worship to Baal, A fire was started on one of the altars to Baal. And Manasseh would bring his infant son. Most scholars believe it was definitely his firstborn son. And he would offer this child, if you can imagine it, he would offer this child alive on the altar. And while Manasseh is bowing down, to a false god, Baal, the screams of his infant son are in his ears. And he, and he feels that this is an acceptable way to worship this false god. And Second Chronicles says that he sacrificed sons, not just his firstborn, but possibly others, on the altar of Baal. But he didn't stop there. He consulted psychics and medians. He practiced sorcery, divination, witchcraft. He went after inappropriate spiritual ways of communication. He didn't seek Yahweh. And in verse 7, it says, Manasseh even took the carved idol he had made, and he set it up right in God's temple the very place where God had told David and his son Solomon, my name will be honored forever in this temple and in Jerusalem, the city I have chosen from among all the tribes of Israel. If the Israelites will be careful to obey my commands and the laws, decrees, and regulations given through Moses, I will not send them into exile from this land that I have set aside for your ancestors. But Manasseh led the people, of Judah and Jerusalem, to do even more evil than the pagan nations that the Lord had destroyed when the people of Israel entered the land. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they ignored his warnings. If everything that he had done previously was not enough, now he takes in the very temple, the very heart of temple worship, and he makes an idol, and he sets it up, and he worships this idol there, the place where Yahweh declared that his presence would dwell. Manasseh is so far away spiritually from the will and the plans and the purposes of God. And he also led the people of Judah and Jerusalem to do more evil. Can you imagine? Can you imagine to do more evil than the pagan nations? whom the Lord had destroyed when the Israelites entered the land centuries before. These pagan nations also sacrificed their children on the altar. They also worshiped foreign gods. But it said Manasseh led Judah to do things that were worse than even the pagan nations. Just for a moment, let me just say this. What a powerful accusation God makes about this king. Scholars have said that Manasseh was the most evil king Judah ever had. His father, one of the most godly kings, now the son, the most evil. And God was warning him. It says that God warned him and the people. So they were without excuse. The Bible says that God spoke to him, probably through prophets. But they ignored these warnings. And so finally the Lord sends the Assyrian armies and they capture Manasseh. And they make him a prisoner. And they take him to Babylon. Starting in verse 11. So the Lord sent the commanders of the Assyrian armies, and they took Manasseh prisoner. And they put a ring through his nose. This is verse 11. If you can get it up on the screen, please. They put a ring through his nose. And they bound him in bronze chains. And they led him away to Babylon. They took this king. And he's no longer a king, he's a prisoner. Now you have to understand from Jerusalem. To Babylon is about 750 to 800 miles. So I just want you to imagine, if you're living in Columbus, Indiana, this would be about from here to New Orleans. And Manasseh would have been taken possibly on foot. He has now been a captured king. Maybe they allowed him to ride on an animal. But he has taken 750 to 800 miles away. We've already seen that he's far from the purposes of God. We've already seen that he is far from following the will of God. Now he is physically removed miles upon miles upon miles upon miles upon miles upon miles. Not only from the plans and the purposes of God, he is 800 miles away from the temple. 800 miles away from the place that Yahweh said, his presence would dwell. And it is here that the story takes an incredible turn. If there is anyone who would, you and I would say has gone too far, it would be King Manasseh. He was so far from God both spiritually, now he's far from God physically, no longer a king, he is a prisoner. Yet, in Babylon, Manasseh does something extraordinary. And I just want to let you know that the next passage we're going to read, the next few verses, is the whole central point of today's message. And I don't want you to miss this, so if you've been tuning me out a little bit, I know how easy that is when you're watching online. If you've been tuning me out, tune me back in. Manasseh, The worst king of Judah, who did horrendous things. Sin and evil filled his heart. He sacrificed his own sons alive on the altar to Baal. He created idols in the temple of God. While he was far from God, he did something extraordinary. Verses 12 and following, listen to what happened. But while in deep distress, Manasseh, sought the Lord his God and sincerely humbled himself before the God of his ancestors. And when he prayed, the Lord listened to him and was moved by his request. So the Lord brought Manasseh back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. Then Manasseh finally realized that the Lord alone is God. This wicked vile, idol-worshipping, sexually immoral, debased king, far away from Jerusalem, in Babylon, deep in distress, humbles himself. One of the things I want you to understand this morning is that you may be far from God, But God is not far from you. You may be far from God. You may be far from the will of God. You may be far from the purposes of God. You may be so far away that you think you've gone too far. If anybody would have thought this, it would have been Manasseh. But deep in his distress, he humbled himself. Many people get so far from God that they wonder what they need to do. I believe that Manasseh was about as far from God and the purposes of God as any person could be. But what did he find? He found that the mercy of God, the grace of God, and the love of God were so near that he could touch them with one humble prayer. See, many people falsely believe, and maybe you're one of them, that you somehow need to get back Back to God. Manasseh wasn't back to God. He couldn't get back to God. He's a prisoner in Babylon, 800 miles away. He needed to get, you you think you need to get back to God, to get close to God, to prove to God that you are worthy and then you'll receive his grace and mercy. I'm here to tell you this morning, mercy is available right where you are, no matter how far from God you are right now. Just come as you are. The old song said, and I'm sure some of you, if you grew up in church, remember it. Just as I am, I come. I come to the Lord. That is good news this morning. You don't have to get good. You don't have to be good. You don't have to try to get back to God to receive his grace. It's close right now. Right where you are, no matter what your spiritual condition. The Bible says that we were still sinners. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And the proof of that is in the next few verses. The proof that Manasseh had a real encounter with God is found after God allowed him to return to Jerusalem. So starting in verse 14, it says this. After this, Manasseh rebuilt the outer walls of the city of David from west of the Gihon Spring to the Kidron Valley to the Fish Gate and continuing around the hill of Ophel. He built the wall very high and he stationed his military officers in all the fortified towns of Judah. Verse 15. Manasseh also removed the foreign gods and the idol from the Lord's temple. He tore down all the altars he had built on the hill where the temple stood and all the altars that were in Jerusalem, and he dumped them outside the city. Then he restored the altar of the Lord, and then he sacrificed peace offerings and thanksgiving offerings on it. He also encouraged the people of Judah to worship the Lord, the God of Israel. However, the people still sacrificed at the pagan shrines, though only to the Lord their God. Manasseh got rid of all the idols he had created. He cleansed Judah and Jerusalem from all these idols, and he offered sacrifices only to Yahweh alone, and he encouraged the people to do the same. He had a real encounter with God, and it transformed his life. A real encounter with God 800 miles from Jerusalem. A real encounter with God full of sin, full of wickedness, But in his distress, he finally humbled himself. So, three quick points to summarize this. And when I get to point three, you may want to take a screenshot if you have that ability so that you can remember these things. If you think you've gone too far, number one, you can be miles away from God and his awesome purposes for you, but his mercy and grace are always near. You can be miles away from God and his awesome purposes for you, but his grace and mercy are are always near. Number two, you never have to prove yourself to God by moving back toward Him before you receive His mercy and grace. You don't have to get your life together first or start living like a Christian first. The man that I spoke about, the man who was an alcoholic, as much as I tried to explain this to him, he had a very difficult time. He just knew that God could not accept him until he did some things. I'm here to tell you this morning, and I'm here to tell you from this passage of scripture that you don't have to get your life together first or start living like a Christian first before God will accept you. And then number 3, and this is the this is one of the best points. This is the best news. God's mercy and grace are always one humble prayer away. Hear me, folks. Hear me this morning. If you are far from God, God's mercy and God's grace are always One humble prayer away. One humble prayer away. Maybe you're watching this morning and you really identified with my title, Help, I think I've gone too far. And maybe you are far from God. Maybe you've really blown it. Maybe you've blown it worse than the examples that I gave. Maybe you knew what God desired and wanted you to do, but you chose your own way. And now you're deep in sin. You're not too far from the grace, mercy, and forgiveness of God. Will you choose today to humble yourself because that's all it takes? Will you choose today to humble yourself? Listen again as I read verses 12 and 13. Manasseh sought the Lord his God and sincerely humbled himself before the God of his ancestors. And when he prayed, the Lord listened to him and was moved by his request. I can tell you based on the authority of the Word of God and based on my own personal life and based on the lives of others that I know, God will hear you. Just like he heard evil Manasseh. He will listen to your request for help if you will humble yourself and come to him and pray. Today, you can be forgiven right where you are in whatever spiritual condition you find yourself. That's the good news. The good news of this very dark, sinful, evil passage, the good news is God was able to forgive this most wicked king of Judah when he humbled himself and prayed. Now I want to talk to parents this morning. Maybe there's some parents here. We have a few people here in the sanctuary, the worship team, but mostly to you parents at home. You raised your children in a godly home. You lived for Jesus. You brought them to the temple. See, Hezekiah, Manasseh's father, raised him in one of the most glorious spiritual times in Judah's history. Temple worship was powerful. The Passover was being celebrated. Hezekiah, I am certain, read or had read to him and his son, Manasseh, the word of God. See, I believe one of the reasons Manasseh knew what to do in Babylon, 800 miles away from Judah, 800 miles away from Jerusalem, was because as a child... He was raised in a godly home, in a home that worshipped Yahweh, the God of the universe. For you, you've worshipped Jesus. You've loved him. You've passionately followed him. But you have a child or you have children that have gone away. And maybe you have thought, oh my goodness, they've gone too far. Will they ever come back? But as you've heard this story this morning, oh, parents, Hezekiah was dead when this happened, but if Hezekiah was alive, I can imagine he would have been on his knees daily for his son and all of the wickedness and the vileness that his son did. But when his son finally got desperate, in his distress, he went back to that which he knew. Excuse me a second. One of the lingering aspects of my fight with COVID is is this cough. Parents, let me ask you a question. Are any of your kids as wicked as Manasseh was? Have they gone that far? If Manasseh, who knew what to do, when he was in his lowest point was able to turn to god don't give up on your kids don't give up on your kids pray for them call their name out to god regularly at some point believe that that which was placed into them in their younger years when they get in their distress They will know what to do. It may not even be while you're still alive. Hezekiah was dead when Manasseh turned. But can you imagine the reunion in heaven that they had? When Manasseh passed and joined his father, this vile, wicked, worst king of Israel, now rejoicing in the presence of God. And I believe it had much to do with the fact that he was raised and he had heard and the word of God was placed into his heart. Parents, that's just something I want to share with you. As the worship team comes to the platform, I just want to talk to you if you are far from God. If you would say, Pastor, help. I think I've gone too far. Jesus loves you. Jesus paid the price for your sin by dying on the cross. The free gift of forgiveness, eternal life, mercy, and grace for you are only one humble prayer away. If you'd be willing to pray and ask God for this gift, I want to lead you in a prayer right now. If you this morning are watching this service, whether you're watching it live or you're watching it as a... uh, Uh, on demand. God will hear your prayer. All you have to do is humble your heart and pray by your head. Repeat after me, Lord Jesus, I, I am so sorry for the life that I have lived. I've thought that maybe I've gone too far. Pastor Rick has shown me, from your word, that even where I'm at, your grace is available to me. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin, forgive me, I've walked away from you, I'm so far away. But I believe what I was told this morning, that you are only one humble prayer away, and so I humbly pray this morning, save me. Thank you, God, for hearing my prayer. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I love you, Lord. Now you parents, just take a moment And speak the name of that wayward child, that grandchild, that sibling, that spouse to the Lord. They have not gone too far that God's grace and mercy cannot reach out to them. Call their name out this morning. Call their name out tonight. Call their name to the God of heaven tomorrow. And let's believe that in their distress, They will humble themselves, and they will pray, and we know that God will hear them.
0: You've been listening to a message from Columbus First Assembly. We hope that you've been encouraged in your spiritual journey. If you're not part of a local church and would like to attend one of our regular services, our church is located at the corner of 10th and Iowa Street in Columbus, Indiana. Our Sunday morning worship services start at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday evening studies begin at 7 p.m. And while you're online, check out our website at columbusfirstassembly.org for details and information about our church. You will also find other messages and series that you can listen to or download. Thanks for spending some time with us and for taking advantage of this resource from Columbus First Assembly, where we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God.